and welcome back to the Well-Dressed Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma, and we're going to chat all about fashion psychology, fashion wellness, and how you can use your wardrobe and your style to improve your life and change how you feel about yourself. In this week's episode, I'm chatting to Mickey Ellis. He has many, many years experience in the fashion industry, and he has a lot to say about sustainable fashion and how we can use fashion as a form of self-expression and as a form of spreading messages, spreading positive messages throughout the world. He works with a lot of artists who he says, if he can find someone who has something to say, he wants to work with them. We had a really great chat about his experience in the industry and how he kind of sees the future of sustainability. And we dived into how you can use fashion to make positive change. So I'm really excited to get into this week's episode. So first of all, I want to welcome you um, onto the Well Dressed Podcast. It's really nice to have you. And I was really excited um, to for us to chat because I love your ideas of kind of using fashion as self-expression because that's something that I focus on a lot um, on my podcast as well. So I feel like you're probably going to do the best introduction yourself um, because I feel like you've had just such a, a long history in the industry and you do so much. So I don't want to leave anything out. So if you um, wouldn't mind introducing yourself to my audience who haven't heard of you before, um, I'll let you take it away, Mickey. <laughs> sure. Uh, my name is Mickey Ellis. I've been working in the fashion industry for, gosh, uh, virtually 20 years now. Um, designing brands, creative director, um, had a branding agency, sort of doing the, the, the branding for fashion companies as well which leads me to where I am now, just recently launched uh, Hit and Run, which is a online store that sells made to order, organic, non-toxic, no plastic packaging, t-shirts and sweatshirts designed by a variety of artists and creatives. Amazing. Um, yeah, and I love that Hit and Run is kind of a platform for different artists as well. So how do you work with different artists and how do you decide who you work with? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's very organic, I guess, you know, I, I only launched this last May and at first it was just the people I knew, the people around me who I thought were doing some interesting things. Um, and then it's grown from there and it, essentially, I mean, I, I like to keep it as, as sort of democratic as possible, sort of saying it's a platform for anyone, but essentially I'm curating it. So it's my taste at the end of the day, but it's whatever I think. If I see an artist or a creative who I think has got something to say with something that's that's relevant, something that's authentic, got integrity, then I'll I'll reach out to them and ask them to to put a collection together for, for the site. Amazing. And like you said, if you feel like they've got something to say, and like, again, I mentioned all about self-expression. So why do you believe self-expression through fashion is so important? And what, what, how did you kind of come to, to starting something like that? I think for me, it kind of that sort of flipped the question in its head and say, because when I, when, I, when I first got into the industry, I considered myself, I was young, I just moved to London, and I was just really creative and passionate and energetic. And I saw T-shirts as... Uh, um, just the, the, the canvas to sort of throw my art and my ideas on. Uh, and as I went on in the business, you know, things have changed a hell of a lot in 20 years when it comes to mm. 
comes to fashion because you know most of the independent boutiques aren't around anymore which means a lot of the new young designers don't have a don't have a market anymore because yeah. the, the, the big brands took over that side of the industry what well, they were always there um but then with the, the, the growth of uh, fast fashion and high street fashion the middle market just pretty much disappeared so as my career went on i found myself gosh for my sins working in a fast fashion job designing brands that i really didn't like it was so cynical sort of designing stuff I didn't like for people that I didn't really respect their tastes um and I was like this can't carry on so I I jacked it all in a couple of years ago uh and just went like I need to take stock because I'm really miserable so it was just a matter of going okay this used to be a great creative industry what can I do my what's my little bit that I can do that brings a bit of that passion and creativity back into it and then the sort of hit and run concept was born of just allowing allowing the people who've probably got a lot more relevant things to say to have a platform rather than the massive high fashion, sorry, sorry, the high street fashion um, dominance of just baseless rubbish, quite frankly. So I'm, I just, I was trying to bring the, what I experienced first in the industry back into it in my little way again. Yeah, I like that. It's like bringing the meaning back into it, I suppose. Exactly. You know, I'd go into sort of like Urban Outfitters and then look at ASOS and things. And it's just no offense to graphic designers and all, but all it was was just somebody who could use Photoshop doing a graphic mm-hmm. on a T-shirt and selling it for 20 quid. And I was just like, that's all right, but surely there needs to be a little bit more than that. Yeah, I love that. Um, and like you mentioned, obviously the industry has changed a lot since you first started. So how has your career within that changed? Like you mentioned, you kind of worked with fast fashion and I suppose maybe sustainable fashion wasn't quite as talked about then, even though it may have been maybe more common, it just wasn't like highlighted. Almost like it was, I feel like, you know, maybe not 20 years ago, but definitely like 30, 40 years ago, it would have been normal. Like fast fashion wasn't normal then. A slower approach was normal. So it's almost like the rise and hopefully the start of the fall of fast fashion. Yeah, I mean, sadly, I don't see a fall happening anytime soon just because there's there's too many people that are looking to consume, especially nowadays when, God, the future's looking bleak for a lot of people and a lot of industries. And if you can barely afford to heat your house or feed your kids, then I'm not going to tell you not to go to Primark to buy your clothes. You know, that's absolutely what yeah. talking about here is quite a, um, a privileged um, way to consume. Um I'm under no delusions of that. But with the sustainability aspect, it, what, I mean, I remember when I, I had my branding agency about eight years ago and a, a girl, a woman, sorry, and a, and a guy came in looking to start a sustainable brand. And that's kind of the way she pitched it to us. It was kind of like it was back then. It was all very sort of like tie-dye, baggy trousers and, and hemp and things like that. And that's kind of what that sustainable thing was in, not that long ago. And then we hit this sort of greenwashing world where you've got <laughs> you've got Zalando sending emails on our mailing list going, we are going to try and be 3% more sustainable in the next 12 months and we're having a sustainability conference. And it's like, that's just rubbish. You know, you're, you're, you're saying all the buzzwords that are necessary to feel like you're ticking boxes so you can say you're sustainable. And then it just, I mean, 
one thing that I always say in Hit and Run, it's like, you know, it is as sustainable as it needs to be. Obviously, I'm making more product, but it's as sustainable as it can be in that we only make according to order. All of the stock already exists in the world. You know, we don't make any new garments. So these garments are going to get printed and sold by somebody. Um, But I think that... (sighs) I don't want to focus on sustainability as a big song and dance. And this is the way it should be done now because it just should be done that way. It should be the people getting called out that aren't doing it are the news, not the people that are doing it in the right way, if you see what I mean. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, when it can finally stop being such a, like, almost like, you know, a pat on the back for the brand who's doing it sustainably. rather Like, it should just be the norm, hopefully, at some point we'll... I mean, like you said, you know, kind of that cheaper fast fashion, it is, you know, it has a market and obviously it's very, you're very privileged to be able to choose to buy something that's a little bit more expensive and more sustainable. Yeah. Um. So I feel like there will always be that market, but I feel like it's maybe the kind of, how can I phrase this? If sustainable brands or like sustainable fabrics became more normal, maybe like pricing would come down a little bit if more companies if you know if it was you know when the demand goes up for something sometimes and a lot of people are buying into it sometimes that brings down prices rather than drives them up so at the moment it can be quite expensive for smaller brands when they're buying on a smaller scale to you know source organic cotton or um recycled fabrics and things like that but maybe the more it's done the like it prices may gradually start to come down a little bit and be more accessible to people who would like to shop more sustainably but just aren't in a position to it's a nice idea but for all the knowledge i have and the people that i speak to in the industry and the state of the economy at the moment i just don't see that happening anytime soon you know i i have a i don't want to be too too negative here but you know i have a, a contact someone that i work with that i did meet during my fast fashion days who I work, he's a Bangladeshi um, sourcing agent uh, based out in Dhaka. And he, I work closely with him to ensure that all of the sort of the factories he works with meet all the regulations. And that's the thing, Bangladesh has got this terrible reputation since the the factory collapse collapse and the child labor. Mm -hmm. And he's like, that doesn't exist over here anymore. He's like, we've completely cleaned all that up. All of the factories have all the regulations and the accreditations because they need to because they got shut down if they didn't have that but he's still got these companies i don't i don't want to throw names about but you can sort of imagine the big big fast fashion companies coming into them and demanding things for the most ludicrous prices and they are coming and saying oh yeah we want organic this we want sustainable that and but we're only willing to pay a dollar and it's like well and he's like the factories will just do what they do. And if they're like, oh yeah, do you want a, you want an organic cotton? Sure, this is organic cotton. And it's like, if, well, you've still got these big players pushing, 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 pushing. Um, the factories, these these guys have got mouths to feed, you know? So they're just mm-hmm. do what's necessary to get that product out at, at the demands of these big players. And, you know, cotton prices have gone through the roof recently. Um, and the shipping costs, this is madness, you know, to get a container over from Bangladesh to the UK used to be about three or four grand. That same container is now 12 to 14,000 pounds. So wow. that's put oh, what, 300% on the shipping costs. 
and you're still wanting to sell. I was in, <laughs> I was in them. Where was it? Tesco's, and they're the, one of the brands in there. Four pound t shirt made in Bangladesh, and I'm like, that, that cost a dollar to get here at least. So that's mm-hmm. a markup on that. So they're paying a factory probably two dollars for that t shirt, and I'm like, how? How? How's that possible? How's that possible? Um, but there's a market that's that's probably in every tesco store that sells clothes in the uk mm-hmm. so i don't know it's a it's a it's a it's it's tricky to see how in the grass sort of the bait the, the the beginning level entry level of this market how that's ever going to change anytime soon yes it needs to be a top-down approach but i think it's a long time before we can actually start addressing the problem seriously so there's not landfill and chili or wherever as we've got mountains of <laughs> discarded clothes just building up yeah. you know it's uh it's terrible but it's what we've created what we've created with the western demand of um we want daily doses of crap please <laughs> yeah no i totally agree i suppose as well in order to see that change like it's not going to come from consumers making better decisions it's going to come from either governments putting legislation in place and forcing those bigger brands to you know work a bit more yeah ethically i guess yeah and not always trying to push those um cheaper prices because if they can get away with it why would they change exactly and and uh, it would be lovely if the government's got involved but sadly the governments have got a lot of priorities at the moment that are um, that that puts fashion somewhat down the list yeah i can't see boris suddenly raising a a, a fashion fashion issue um no i don't think so yeah well i don't know i don't know i suppose it's 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 difficult trying to like i suppose stay positive and and do your bit and do that kind of go that little extra mile to like be a bit more sustainable and make ethical choices yeah um when you feel like there is no support but i'm just gonna keep doing what i'm doing yeah well i hope at some point that it'll that it'll change that's the thing i mean i i'm essentially uh an angry little punk and always have been (laughs) and all of the brands that i've done have been kicking and screaming against against the things that i don't like and i yeah. Anyone that knows me will know that the fashion industry and its sort of nepotism is certainly not my favourite thing in the world. And as a, a lad from Edinburgh, that when I was thrown into that industry and realised that I had to nod and smile and go to these events and be nice to these people, I just couldn't do it. And then that got frustrating for me because it was like, I'm doing some good creative stuff here. But because I wasn't going to the right parties and speaking to the right people, I just wasn't getting anywhere. And it was mm-hmm. when I got into my 40s that I realized that kicking stuff doesn't really get changed done particularly. So I needed to hit and run is essentially me just being a bit more polite and nicer and giving a platform to other people who might want to kick and scream a bit louder because, you know, these are the people that can that can make that change. You know, I think for me, when I, one of the sort of mantras of hit and run is no one needs more another t-shirt but if you're going to make one more t-shirt it might as well have something on it that might inspire somebody else down the line to to make a change that is relevant in the world you know and the whole sort of like Catherine Hamnett slogan t-shirt style you know if someone sees somebody wearing something with a purpose it might just inspire them to 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 create the solution for this 
how do you think fashion like I mean, within your own work as well but how do you think fashion um can influence change and how do you utilize that within your own work i mean i've always been motivated by subcultures um, and we don't really have subcultures as much anymore because um, everything's kind of homogenized but you know for me growing up you your clothing was your uniform for what you believed in um and i think fashion for me is always going to be that you know fashion is not walking into a a, a premium store and buying a designer piece um, well it is you know it's it's lovely and we like we like to do that but i don't think that really inspires change what inspires change is is the kids is the groups of kids who who band together wearing wearing their uniforms and come up with the ideas um that can hopefully yeah it's it's movement and i think that it's we need more than ever um the next generation to uh to come up with something that that god i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um yeah fashion can inspire change I, I, I bloody hope it can inspire change and it certainly inspired me in the past as i say to put a uniform on that feels like a feels like armor sometimes you know when me and my partner mm. used to all go out head to toe in raf simmons and prowl around shoreditch you know it's uh yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how much change that promoted but it, it's fashion's powerful fashion's powerful it's tribal it's uh it's it's yeah fashion's strong it is I, yeah i definitely agree not only i suppose it can inspire and influence change like even just for an individual but then hopefully you know that will kind of you're showing it to the outside world and if you can not just change your own life with it but change kind of the people you meet and yeah. how like like you said if you have a t-shirt with a message on it and somebody sees it then maybe that will influence them as well and sometimes it's big changes and sometimes they're just little but yeah hopefully they can be um accumulative as well yeah yeah i mean one of the another brand that i that i um work on uh, called polari it's uh it's had quite an interesting sort of evolution in the past few months and that we launched it, me and a couple of mates launched it a few years ago and it kind of, it did okay. And then it kind of trickled, trick petered out, I suppose. And then I relaunched it at the end of last year and just, yeah, randomly uh, a few months ago, it got picked up by the South American LGBTQ plus community. Um, and our followers suddenly went flying through the roof and it's all these kids who are just seeing this brand as being a kind of safe space. Um, and I've started just promoting with the sort of social media, just real positivity and and sort of championing strong people who are are, are using their identities to to force change, I guess, and comfortable with their identities. And I'm just I've started getting emails and DMs daily with these kids just saying thank you thank you for this you, you've inspired me you've given me confidence to be myself and i'm like damn this is just a brand with polari written in the front of a t-shirt but uh yeah. it's um it, it's humbling it's it's really amazing I, I, I obviously i need to be careful with it because i don't want to i understand the power of social media and i would never want to do mm. negative but as i say i'm just trying to be just give sort of fairly passive but positive messages of support and trying to inform them of people like uh, 
that Australian footballer that came out as gay as the the first ever professional footballer who's currently playing to come out as gay, which is insanity that that could be a fact. It's not a fact. Um, and, and just things like that. And just giving people that is a good way to use fashion. I mean, it's merch essentially, but to use fashion to just someone will, will buy that t-shirt and just feel like they're, they can be themselves with it. Um, and I think at a time where kids are growing up, where identity is such a confusing thing, you know, they're looking at social media and seeing things that just aren't true and then feeling threatened by it and, and, uh, and undermined by it because they're not the, the Instagram model. God, I'm glad I'm not living in that world now. Um, and it's hard and, and uh, it, it's amazing that identity has become such an important thing and people are having the voice to identify how they want to identify because it's vital because this world's really confusing right now. And I think that having that ability and that, I mean, it's, it's a long, it's going to be a long journey, but I think it's really, really important the way identity is, is evolving at the moment. Like that's so nice as well that you're getting those messages. But like you said, it's like, it's a really positive thing, but then that's a lot of pressure on you now to kind of, keep it that way and, and not yeah I, I would never want, want to be perceived as um as cynical it came from I, it was never the intention to do this but then suddenly when I've got 20,000 people liking a photograph I put up I understand that's a real responsibility yeah <laughs> yeah that's yeah. <laughs> scary yeah but good it's good especially when you when you do want to use it um for like positive change yeah 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 but as I say I'm I'm, I'm it, it's yeah, it's it's a tricky one, but I, I'm I'm hoping I'm navigating it correctly at the moment. It seems to be it's all positivity that I'm getting. So, uh, hope. amazing. So on my podcast, I kind of like to discuss the idea of the kind of psychology of fashion as well, mm-hmm. which definitely plays into how you would you know utilize fashion to a self expression and you know to form your identity to express your identity, and I suppose um like mood enhancement dressing is also kind of a way of making you not necessarily feel well kind of like feeling like yourself I suppose feeling like your best self so in your own wardrobe in your own style do you ever recognize yourself kind of either dressing to make yourself feel better or dressing to kind of I suppose there's mood enhancement and then there's like mood reflection do you ever find yourself dressing in certain ways for certain reasons you know what I my dress in the last few years has become shocking (laughs) Um, it's um it's been a tough couple of years and it has got to the point of generally just picking up what i left on the floor the night before a lot of the time Uh, especially not really leaving the house um yeah i totally agree so you know long gone are the times where you know i used to have a brand called licentious uh with a very good friend of mine um matthew crowley um and that brand was essentially him and I dressing up like drunk Edwardian dandies for two and a half years. <laughs> and we, we used to stumble through Soho wearing top hats and fox furs with canes and tailcoats and things like that, um, which was fabulous. Um, we, and we went to Japan and did a catwalk show over there. So that was the sort of pinnacle of my fashion expression. And believe me, oh, it sounds good. you're dressing in a top hat and a fox fur walking through Soho at night. You, you, need, to be, you need to be confident. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, 
And I think with the um, the emergence of streetwear as being such a dominant thing, I'm guilty of just chucking in a pair of chucking on a pair of baggy trousers and a hooded sweatshirt. Um, remember an ex girlfriend of mine recently told me that I dressed like a giant toddler. <laughs> <laughs> ex girlfriend, I hate to add. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, I, at the times where I can put on a nice suit and I've got a penchant for a, a patterned shirt. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, stick on a suit and a nice shirt and a pair of pair of DMs or something. And that feels powerful. You know, that for me is my, is my strong. And that's when you can sort of walk into a room and feel, feel great. Um, the yeah i feel i've been letting my letting the fashion side down recently but um but yeah certainly wearing clothes to enhance mood is even if it's slouching around the place you know i i i'm i I probably shouldn't be but i'm excited about the whole um real sort of like 90s baggy jeans baggy sweats um oversized t-shirts trend that's coming back because obviously that's how I dress for in the 90s so I'm quite looking forward to dressing like that again but uh, I don't know if it's age appropriate but yeah so I did I you know I'm kind of excited as well for the 90s because I was quite young during that time I feel like the naughties trends yeah stuck with me and I don't want them to come back because they were like my awkward teenage years oh, yeah. but a little bit younger than that in the 90s I'm like yeah, I could totally, I could totally get on board with some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was in, well, we're talking 89, I was 13, 14. So it was that sort of height of the stone roses with the enormous flares and like beat end and bucket hats and big like tie-dye hoodies and things like that. So nice. I've definitely got a lot of affiliation to that look. And when I see, um, I've got my, um, my ex-partner's daughter is 18 and she models for Aries. Uh, so she's got some amazing Aries clothes and I see her dress like the kids did when I was that age and I'm just like you're amazing <laughs> yeah you're really cool yeah they're, they're a really cool brand as well yeah, the last question was going to be um what would be your go-to outfit to feel your best but I feel like you've kind of answered that with your suit and your yeah I think, I think, kind of pattern shirt I mean feeling yeah yeah I guess so I, I kind of said I'm kind of excited about at the moment I'm back in Edinburgh at the moment and I've just gone to the, um, an Edinburgh barber for the first time and every lad in Edinburgh in Scotland's got exactly the same haircut and they've given me this haircut <laughs> and I'm going to the football later and I'm kind of looking forward to just putting on a pair of baggy jeans and I'll, I've got this uh, new puffer coat as well and it just makes me feel like a bit of a hooligan which I quite like so I'm going to yeah, just go and blend in. <laughs> this afternoon go for a couple of pints and go and watch hearts so yeah yeah that's nice that's my feel-good uniform for today <laughs> amazing yeah I love that as well it's like you can either use your clothing to like blend in and like feel like you're kind of part of something or you can use it to stand out and just kind of have a different voice than everybody else exactly which, I mean I guess you can pick and choose can't you indeed and I think that's the nice thing about uh sort of having that the 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 breadth of experience of both things because there is nothing better than a football away day where you're with your mates all dressed up in Stone Island or whatever, just walking down the street. It feels like such an amazing, powerful, and not threatening, but just just inclusive. You know, that's when fashion is um, is is very it's very tribal. It's a great feeling. Mm, yeah, definitely agree. Yeah, it's kind of like you know, even in school when you have your uniform and you just kind of feel a part of something. So you and all your friends are dressed the same, or yeah even like something minor like that or you know if you have a work uniform and everyone's wearing it 
again, you kind of feel a part of something. Yeah, and that's that's sort of going back to identity as well. And you know, people, even the most unique dressers, are dressing in a way to be part of something. You know, nobody dresses to be completely individual. You dress because you're communicating how you want to be perceived and that the psychology of that i actually did psychology at university and that's i guess that's why i studied in subcultures and in fashion and the tribal aspect of it because you know it's that grouping together of like-minded people that's how that's what fashion is that's how you communicate it and i think that's why it became a bit depressing when the sort of cheap fast fashion took over because it homogenized everything you know you couldn't have groups um developing under the radar it was all just as soon as something happened it was put online and then it would just sort of dissipate into just nothing as powerful as as it used to be um so yeah for me fashion is it's it's great and 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 i think with the identity um politics aspect of it as well seeing these kids coming up with completely new ways of expressing not just their clothes but their genders is to me is um it's it's a very very exciting evolution of what fashion and humanity is going towards because it needs a shake-up yeah it definitely does i think now's the time um so where can everyone find you online do you want to share instagram websites things like that yeah website is hit and run dot ltd um uh, instagram hit and run underscore ltd um and the polari website is polari polari.com p-o-l-a-r-i um and uh, instagram polari polari great well thank you so much for joining me today to talk about this it's like this is oh anytime I talk about once I get into like fashion psychology or kind of self-expression it just kind of gives me like a whole boost yeah and I probably shouldn't say this I'm not even dressed yet today so (laughs) I knew I should I should have gotten dressed because I was like I'll feel so much better and I'll feel more productive and more like in the zone but now I feel like my outfit before we talked about this would have been way different to what it's going to be now after I get dressed so (laughs) feeling inspired and creative (laughs) it's been great to talk to you Yeah, you too, Mickey. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. It is always so nice to get different guests onto the Well-Dressed Podcast because hearing someone else's point of view of how they see, you know, how they see clothing, how they utilize clothing in their everyday as like a mood booster or just to express themselves and to kind of discuss a little bit about the sustainability aspect too and the ethics behind the industry because as much as it is, nice to have a positive outlook on this kind of thing it's also good to be realistic um and i think that kind of reaffirms for me anyway that i need to do my best with being more sustainable and making more ethical choices because i can only rely on myself to make these choices or to make these positive changes and i can't really rely on you know big corporations or the government or anyone to um to make these big changes that we really need to see in the industry. Um, And I hope this has inspired you as well to kind of look within your own wardrobe and your own shopping habits and, you know, even habits such as when you're doing a clear out and you're trying to get rid of extra clothing, like think of the most sustainable way to, to get rid of those, whether it's, you know, giving them to a friend or like having kind of a clothes swap or maybe you want to upcycle it or tailor it to something that you would really wear. Um, maybe you're only getting rid of something because it just doesn't fit well or something like that um, and you know bringing it to charity shops is great but it's not always the best 
um, the best way to do it because there's a lot of a lot of kind of clothing ways to going to charity shops and then ending up in landfill. But yeah, so it's thinking about the whole life cycle of the clothing when you're making more sustainable decisions. But I really hope you enjoy the episode. It's so nice to be back uh, chatting with you all. And I have lots more plans for a couple of guest episodes and topics I want to discuss this year. Super, super excited for that. And I hope that so far your 2022 has been going well. Don't forget, if you aren't already following me on Instagram, you can find me at Gemma A. McLean. And there I post my outfits and just things that I'm getting up to. I'm slowly but surely getting back online after I think maybe like two months off. Um, Long story short, I moved house, I'm planning my wedding, which is in like a couple of weeks and I haven't really had time for a lot of other things. So since Christmas, it's just kind of been um, full on in my personal life, but I'm really enjoying getting back, chatting about fashion, chatting about, you know, things that matter, but aren't so kind of heavy in my life right now. So stay tuned for lots in 2022. I'll speak to you all soon. Bye.